If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. I want to share with you today from Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. We've been doing a series for the last several weeks entitled, The Road to Destiny. The Road to Destiny. We've been tracing uh, the uh, steps of Jesus as he began to make his way toward Jerusalem here in the Gospel of Luke. And of course, the culmination of that is here in Luke 24. It says, beginning with verse 1, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Lord, we thank you for your holy word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Now, Lord, would you make its truths real to us in a fresh new way today as we examine the resurrection of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Speak to each and every heart through your word, and we'll thank you for it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of my message today is, fittingly, Resurrection on the Road to Destiny. This was the last stop for Jesus on the road to destiny. After offering up his life for the sins of the world and being buried on Friday, he rose from the dead on Sunday. This morning, I don't believe it's an exaggeration to say that the validity of the entire Christian faith depends on the doctrine of the resurrection. As Paul stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. I would also say that anyone who seeks to reach his or her God-given destiny must come to terms with the reality of Jesus' resurrection. I believe there are two reasons for this. First of all, if Christ was really raised from the dead, then death is not the end. 
And the Bible is true when it says that we must all someday give an account of how we lived our lives here on earth. That's a sobering truth, isn't it? Secondly, it's necessary to come to terms with the resurrection to reach our God-given destiny because the resurrection also validates Jesus' offer of forgiveness and eternal life to all who receive him. How could someone promise eternal life if he didn't possess it himself? But he rose from the dead, and his offer is valid. And this morning, as we look into Luke's account of the resurrection, we see three responses to it that typify people's responses to the resurrection today. You can go online, you can go almost anywhere, you can Google the resurrection of Christ, and you'll get a whole uh, variety of opinions. Many calling it a fable, many believing in it, and many someplace in between. And that's what I want to explore this morning. For the next few minutes, I want to answer the question, how do people respond to Christ's resurrection? How do people respond to Christ's resurrection? And in this uh, message, see if you can see yourself and your response to Christ's resurrection. What's the first response to the resurrection, the notion of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? The first response is to believe and proclaim. Believe and proclaim. As the women went to the tomb that Sunday morning to apply burial spices to Jesus' body, they were met with three surprises. First of all, the massive stone that had been used to seal the mouth of the tomb had been rolled away. It wasn't there. Other gospel writers tell us they speculated on the way. Who's going to remove the stone? But it was moved. The second surprise was that on looking into the tomb, going into the tomb, Jesus' body wasn't there. I'd say that was a surprise, wouldn't you? And the third surprise was that they were greeted by two men in gleaming white garments, two angels, two messengers from heaven, with a proclamation that Jesus wasn't there, that he was alive. Matter of fact, they said to him, they said to the women, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Jesus isn't here, he is risen. This was a lot to, to, to process, don't you think? This, this, their, their minds right about now were on overload. How could they believe such a thing? But then the angels said this. They said, remember his words. Remember his words. How he said, I will rise from the dead and go ahead of you into Galilee. And the scripture says that when the women remembered the words of Jesus, prophesying this very thing that he would rise from the dead, they believed. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but somebody who says, I'm going to die and I'm, I'm going, it's going to be verifiable that I'm dead. Oh, and after that, I'm going to rise from the dead and I'm going to appear to you. And then he does it. He pulls it off. I would say that's worthy of belief, wouldn't you? The women felt that way. They believed, and once they believed, we need to catch this this morning, once they believed, their sorrow was turned to joy, and their lives were transformed and changed forever. Because that's what 
the resurrection does. And so they believed because he had said it and he had done it. Hallelujah. But that's not all they did. They also proclaimed. They told all these things, it says, to the eleven and all the others. The eleven, of course, were the remaining disciples or apostles after Judas, who had betrayed Jesus, had hanged himself. They told all these things to the eleven. Their immediate response was to share this awesome news. They just couldn't keep it to themselves. And so they began to proclaim, they began to tell what they had learned. Last year on Easter Sunday, 2021, Baptist minister and U.S. senator from Georgia tweeted this, The meaning of Easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Whether you are Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. Senator Warnock uh, posted that. The tweet received quite a backlash and was deleted shortly after it was posted. But it's important to note that it was wrong on two accounts. First, I declare to you today there is nothing more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's the greatest event in all of history. Nothing transcends it. And secondly, we could never, ever hope to save ourselves through what we do. It's only through Him. Hallelujah. We must believe it. We must believe it. Jesus prophesied His resurrection on multiple occasions. The evidence for it is overwhelming. He was seen by more than 500 witnesses after His death. The Romans never produced the body. Did you know that all they had to do to quell this furor over this so-called resurrection was produce the body? And to that end, they put a heavy stone over the mouth of the tomb and posted a couple of guards there. <laughs> That's awful puny stuff compared to the resurrection power of Almighty God, though, isn't it? All they had to do was produce a body. They couldn't do it. Many, many of his disciples died for their devotion to Christ which sane people wouldn't have done if they knew it was a hoax, if they knew it was a lie. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is a miracle, yes, but it's a miracle with documentation. It's a miracle for which the evidence is overwhelming. Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and was buried in that tomb, he rose from the dead, hallelujah, on that Easter morning. And let me tell you, it's not enough for us just to believe it. Do you hear me this morning? It's not enough just to believe it. We need to proclaim it. We need to declare it in the face of the skeptics, in the face of those who would ridicule. And I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But we need to declare it. We need to proclaim it. Don't ever be ashamed of believing in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Don't ever be ashamed of it. Because it's the truth. He's alive forevermore. And we must not only believe it, but we must proclaim it this morning. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive forevermore. Hallelujah. I'll proclaim it till my dying day. Glory to God. So that's one response. To believe and proclaim. 
What's a second response? It's to reject and ridicule. To reject and ridicule. It says here in verse 11 that when the women told the other apostles, the remaining apostles, about what they had seen and heard, that Jesus was alive, it says they did not believe the women. It's both ironic, I believe, and instructive that the first skeptics of Jesus' resurrection were his own disciples who had seen him perform many miracles and even raise the dead himself. And yet, his disciples didn't believe it. Believing in a physical resurrection is hard. Our mortal minds don't have a category for that. No one, I'm going out on a little bit of a limb here, but I feel safe in saying this, no one that you or I know who has died has ever been brought back to life. Is that a fair statement? Nobody I know have known on this earth has ever come back to life after they've died. And so, believing in the resurrection is hard, and they, they didn't believe it. And skeptics have been rejecting the bodily resurrection, the doctrine of the bodily resurrection of Christ ever since. There were skeptics in Jesus' day, and there were skeptics in our day. They rejected it, and not only do they reject it, but often they ridicule it. It says here uh, that the words of the women seem like nonsense to the apostles. The Greek word translated nonsense is only used here in the New Testament. It has also been translated as idle talk or idle words. This is interesting. This Greek word used only here was used by medical writers to describe the wild talk of someone suffering from delirium or hysteria. It's actually a medical term. In the chauvinistic culture of that day, the testimony of women, I'm sorry ladies, but this, this is the way it was, the testimony of women was not considered reliable. Their testimony would not be accepted in a court of law because they were thought of as emotional, given to hysteria, and intellectually untrustworthy. But when you think about it, this actually strengthens the case for the truthfulness of the resurrection. Because given the, the, the view of women and their testimony in that day, no one who would invent a fable of a resurrection would have women as their primary witnesses. Right? They wouldn't do it. But the gospel accounts all record that the first witnesses were women. Why? Because it really happened. Hallelujah. In 2021, the movie Don't Look Up uh, came out. It was about, about an astronomy grad student and her professor who tried to convince the world that a killer comet is on a direct collision course with the Earth. The problem is, nobody believed them. Nobody cared. Listen, it doesn't matter what you say. There will be some people who will believe it. You can say the moon is made of green cheese. Some people will believe that. But whatever else you say, some people will never believe it. Even if the evidence 
is overwhelming. People rejected and ridiculed Jesus. Guess what? They will reject and ridicule you and me and our belief in the doctrine of the resurrection. There have always been skeptics. There always will be. If, if, if we're thinking and we're waiting, you know, when, when are we going to get to the point where, man, folks just, just embrace Christianity, embrace the resurrection, and we're in the majority, and just everyone, don't hold your breath. There will always be skeptics. There will always be people who will ridicule you and laugh at you and say you're a simpleton and you're one of those, you're one of those simple Christians who believe in fairy tales. Let me tell you, don't let the words of skeptics discourage you from proclaiming the reality that Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter what the skeptics say. Hallelujah. Amen? Our belief is not based on popular opinion. Our belief is not based on what the latest polls have to say. Our belief is based on the unchangeable, immutable word of the living God which declares Jesus is alive forevermore. Hallelujah. Amen. So there will always be those who reject the doctrine of Christ's resurrection and ridicule those who believe it. But there's one more response I want to share with you this morning in regard to the doctrine of the resurrection. It's this. Investigate and contemplate. Investigate and contemplate. The scripture says that Peter, how many know Peter was, was always kind of the, the, the individualist, you know, in the group? Peter kind of marched to the beat of his own drummer. And sometimes that was very, very bad. <laughs> and sometimes it was very, very good. In this case, it was good. Peter, it says, however, notice the word of contrast, in contrast to the other ten. Peter, however, it says, got up, and ran to the tomb. He didn't walk. He ran. And he looked inside. You know, like the other apostles, he didn't know what to make of the women's words, but unlike the other apostles, he didn't just dismiss them and leave it there. He ran to the tomb to investigate, to see for himself. And you got to love, for all his failings, for all his mistakes, you got to love Peter for this. Amen? He ran to him. He said, I'm going to see for myself. And it says, when he left there, he left. He saw, he saw the, the, the linen strips that had been wrapped around Jesus' body laying there uh, by themselves. The, the, it says, when he went away, he went away wondering to himself what had happened. The Greek word translated wondering can also be translated marveling. And the Greek word translated happened is in the perfect tense which is used of a one-time action with lasting consequences. So Peter looked into the tomb and he knew something happened. Something took place. He saw the strips of linen that were lying there. Let me, it doesn't make any sense. Let me tell you this. It doesn't make any sense that grave robbers would come and first unwrap the body and then take it out of the tomb. It just doesn't make any sense. The strips of linen were lying there. And, and so he saw that, and he went away marveling about it, wondering about it, contemplating it, thinking about it. And we know, of course, that he was ultimately convinced of Jesus' 
bodily resurrection because Jesus later appeared alive and well to him along with the other apostles. And on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, when Peter preached that, that marvelous sermon, that Pentecost day sermon, he said this about Jesus. God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. I guess Peter became convinced, don't you think? Skeptical at first, but he investigated and he contemplated and he came away convinced. In the early 1980s, there was a journalist who worked for the Chicago Tribune. His name was Lee Strobel. Some of you may have heard of him. He was an investigative journalist and he was an avowed atheist. And his wife became a Christian and he became enraged because all his life he had believed there was no God. He, he, he taught their young daughter that. His wife became a Christian and he couldn't change her mind. So he said, I know what I'll do. And he set out to use all of his investigative journalist skills. He was an award-winning journalist. He said, I'm going to use all my skills to disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because as we said earlier, if you disprove the resurrection of Christ, the whole, the, the whole of Christianity just falls apart. So he, he set out to prove that, uh, disprove the resurrection. And he approached it from many angles and talked to numerous experts in their respective fields. He tried to prove that the biblical resurrection narratives were uh, unreliable and contradictory. He spoke to experts on, on, uh, on ancient texts. He tried to prove that Jesus didn't really die on the cross, uh, but just uh, swooned and, and was never really dead. Uh, that's known as the swoon theory. And uh, he spoke to medical experts who debunked that. Uh, and, and then he even explored the possibility that the 500 witnesses who had seen the resurrected Christ were suffering together from some sort of mass psychosis. The expert in that field he uh, consulted said that would have been a greater miracle than the resurrection itself. <laughs> and so he took all these angles and the further he dug and the more he looked, every bit of evidence to, to, to his rational mind told him the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a reality. And in the end, and, and there's a, he, he wrote the book, The Case for Christ, and it's a marvelous movie if you haven't seen it. I saw it this week, and, and, and I highly recommend it to you. In the end, he just said, God, you win. And he prayed the sinner's prayer and invited Jesus Christ into his life. As I said, he wrote The Case for Christ and a series of The Case for Books, Case for Faith, and Case for Other Things. He sold over 14 million copies. And he is an international proud proclaimer of the Lord Jesus Christ because he investigated, he contemplated, he looked at all the evidence and he came away saying Jesus Christ rose from the dead. This morning, if you're here in this service or watching online, if you're not convinced of the resurrection of Christ, but you're intrigued by the idea and would like to explore the possibility, I just say this to you respectfully, why not investigate? Why not look into it on your own? Look at all the evidence and decide 
for yourself. I believe that if you approach the question with an open mind, you'll come away convinced that Jesus Christ actually physically rose from the dead and that he is therefore the Son of God who loves you and died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. And if that's who he is, I submit to you this morning that he's worth giving your life to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is alive. How do people respond to the claim of Christ's resurrection? People have been believing and proclaiming for more than 2,000 years that Jesus is alive. Do you believe it? Do you proclaim it? Do you tell whoever you can get to listen that you believe and that you have looked at the evidence and you know that Jesus Christ is alive and that he's the King of kings and Lord of lords? It's not enough to believe it. You have to proclaim it. Some people will reject and ridicule. They'll mock, they'll scorn, they'll make fun, they'll come up with supposed evidence that uh, supposedly debunks the reality of the resurrection. They always have and they always will. We can't let that dissuade us from proclaiming the reality of the resurrection. And then the third response is to investigate, and contemplate, to look at all the evidence. And as I said a moment ago, if you're not sure but you're intrigued, look at the evidence. Decide for yourself. I have one final question for each of us this morning. We've talked about responses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. My question to each and every one of, of you, of us today, respectfully, is this. How will you respond how will you respond to the resurrection of Jesus Christ?